from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast Earlier this month it emerged that India had become the biggest buyer of scotch whiskey in the world The Scotch Whiskey Association said that India had imported 219 million bottles of scotch compared to France's 205 million last year. It also said that India's scotch market has grown by 200% in the past decade. That might explain why whiskey is a major part of the free trade agreement being negotiated between India and the UK. Despite importing the most scotch whiskey in the world, it constitutes just 2% of the Indian whiskey market. Also, the value of scotch whiskey imported by India is far below a nation like the US. Whiskey is essentially distilled alcohol that is made from fermented grain mash. That grain mash mixture that's used can differ from region to region. It could have rice, wheat or barley. The distilled alcohol can then be aged in wooden casks. In today's episode, we're looking at multiple aspects of India becoming the biggest importer of scotch whiskey. But to start with we asked our guest Magandeep Singh what exactly is scotch whiskey or rather what differentiates it from other whiskies So scotch whiskey very simply put is whiskey that comes from Scotland you've grown the ingredients there you've processed them there you've made the whiskey there and you have aged it there after a certain period of aging you might take it elsewhere and bottle it and still be allowed to call it scotch whiskey but without that aging or without any of these processes not falling in line you're on murky territory then but does that mean like you have to grow the grain that goes into making the whiskey everything and originally that was the idea why because that's what grew there so you always worked with what was locally available why barley because barley um, and many people may not know this has a certain structure in the husk which allows it to strain the liquid very well which is why you which something you don't get from wheat husk and rice also because barley wasn't a chief staple for food so back in the day you had barley growing it wasn't being used for bread and that's one explanation i'm not saying it's the only one but obviously you would have worked with local ingredients i mean the reason when you, you know, just to jump you go to pt whiskies in the islands of scotland and they didn't want to make pt whisky for a style it's just it was expensive to bring coal from the mainland so they found a coal alternative which was near them and that gave them that smoky flavor the scotch whiskey originally would have been all ingredients in house today all the barrels for scotch whiskey come from us bourbon barrels so by that logic we are not even using scottish wood which has been made into scot barrels in scotland maybe they were made to barrels in you know somewhere else used in the us brought here but as i said the making of the product which is the distillation and then the aging of the product up to a certain point has to be in scotland to be scotch whiskey so it's a bit like champagne right which is not champagne unless it's grown in champagne in france is that that sort of nomenclature champagne i think is the best example about how tightly you can control the usage of a certain word but yes it's a very good example champagne is controlled as a name and scotch whiskey also has a fairly tight control on the usage of the word scotch whiskey in a bottle alcohol consumption in india has been rising by the decade The market is worth an estimated 20 billion dollars and is predicted to grow further as disposable incomes rise. Consumption is also presently heavily skewed on the basis of gender with more men consuming alcohol than women. And one of the most popular alcohols in India is whiskey. Today's episode deals a lot with whiskey and other aspects. If you're under the legal age for consumption of alcohol or 
are dealing with health issues linked to alcohol addiction, this isn't an episode for you. Also remember, as per the latest World Health Organization advisory, there is no amount of alcohol that can be deemed healthy. So, if you do consume alcohol, please consume it responsibly. In today's episode, Magandeep Singh is talking with us about how Scotch whiskey became so popular in India. Magandeep is a qualified sommelier, which is a professional in wines, and is also the author of the book The Indian Spirit, in which he has traced the history of various alcohols consumed in India. We discuss the history of Scotch in India, the states that consume the most whiskey, and the problems with many low-cost whiskies that are available in India. The reason we are having this chat is also because the data point emerged that India now buys the most scotch in the world. And yet it's not the highest consumer by value uh, of scotch whiskey. How do those two numbers make sense? Oh, they make absolute sense. You know, scotch whiskey came into India at the turn of the 20th century. So 1906, 11, whenever, maybe 18, late in 19th century, when it was coming in, there was a lot of opposition, a backlash. Why are we bringing this in? We have our local intoxicant, cannabis. We can have that. Why do we need scotch from abroad? So there was a hemp commission appointed in 1911, if I'm not mistaken. And hemp commission went around and proved that A, scotch is not more harmful or maybe less harmful than cannabis. And hence, it should be introduced into India. Now, for one, for first thing, we are a large population, first of all. So we generally can be the largest consumer of tofu in the world tomorrow if you wish to be. So numbers is not a problem. Now, value is a different question. Because there's a lot of scotch whiskey being made, but all of it is not selling at the higher echelons, the top shelf prices. And they also need a buyer. I could also be a person who buys it in India, blends or makes a blended, or buys a blended scotch, brings it here, bottles it here, and then maybe sells it to another continent, Africa. I would still be seen as the buyer, you know? So that could be also contributing in big volumes. But having said that, a lot of scotch whiskey that comes into India also gets blended into local whiskeys. So they may not be called Scotch after that in India, but for Scotland, they made a sale to India. But they were cheap whiskies. They came with no brand. And remember, when you buy a bottle of whiskey, a lot of the percentage you're paying is for the brand because the brands have to do a lot of research and there's a marketing plan and so on. So we are buying the largest amount of Scotch. I can completely uh, go with that idea. We are not the highest in value. I can completely understand that as well. I mean, though we've consumed intoxicants of various kinds, it's not always been scotch. Um, what kind of perception does scotch have in India then? When they wanted scotch in India, who do you think wanted the scotch? It was the English officers. And in fact, even before that, whenever gin or even the India pale ale style of beer, whatever was brought into India, remember it originally started with the East India Company. So army was sent over from the England. And when the army came, the army had demands that, hey, if you're going to be here, we want to live or have our rations. Hence the, the tonic and the quinine and the, hence the gin and so on. So English were the ones who wanted the and, and the military or the army. And remember, the armies always had a massive dist, uh, a, a trickle-down effect on everything in civilian lives. So it came for the English gentry. The local soldiers were still drinking Arak, but they realized that if I want to be an officer or hang with an officer, I should be drinking this whiskey that these people drink. And that's how it would have started. So the it was built into the, the 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 design that the marketing was always a high highly aspirational product. So that's why whiskey was always pegged higher. Today, I don't think we have any of those reasons anymore. And what is the uh, sort of perception difference between, say, scotch and whiskey? Because, like you said, they're not really the same thing. Is there a 
sort of perceptional difference between the two like is is scotch say valued more than whiskey i'd say it's a seal of trust you know a lot of scotch originally when it was made would get the seal the royal stamp or the coat of arms of the royal family saying that you are official supplier to the to her majesty his majesty whatever so it meant it was you had to meet certain standards because scotland was doing it they obviously garnered a lot of sort of you know trust and that's why scotch whiskey came to be seen as a hallmark of quality whiskey uh, the same with made in italy shoes today or made in france desserts and bread maybe we just have these stereotypes they were built into the design of their marketing over many decades so is scotch whiskey the best in the world debatable because it's a matter of personal taste now we understand is it still a hallmark of quality to a large extent yes you also have these japanese whiskies you have these various other brews that are now considered on par if not better and is that a sort of erosion of that reputation of the scotch whisky or is it just that people are realizing that you know there there are yeah. better things out there that they like and it's not really governed by the english tradition in we all think scotland gave us scotch whisky the scots learned it from the irish monks the irish monks learned it from italian monks the italian monks learned it from you know from east so turkey egypt whenever they'd been there on missions and stuff so the distillation went from east why the 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 monks in italy who then you know through the route went to ireland first and then to scotland but today we don't think of any of those other places as great whiskey producers so as i said sometimes you know things come together a certain way and remember scotch scotch whiskey became popular even in england because cognac went down because of phylloxera in the 1850s so phylloxera was a louse and everybody drank drank cognac because it was french it was the best then this louse comes on a boat from the us and destroys all the vineyards in europe if there's no vineyard there's no grape no grape means no wine no wine means no brandy or cognac and then the english nobility go what do we drink now and they look up north and they have their barrels and they're drinking something called scotch whiskey let's try it and they told them yeah okay we like your product now bottle it and they told them bottle it like the cognac people so scotland starts making brands and bottled name shapes only in mid 19th century after the fall of cognac so even england wasn't drinking that much scotch beforehand so you see it's taken barely 100 years to build them that repute so what is different from between whiskey and scotch whiskey and uh, can other people make it better of course they can make it better the lot of japanese people themselves say that our primary distillate santoria i'm not making this about brands but they went to scotland they worked there they learned it but then they came back and applied their own sort of you know their ideas in their sensibilities which were very japanese they'd used them so mizunara oak which has become a big thing in in whiskey whiskey aging now is from japan and if the japanese had not gone and learned this trade they would have never introduced this into the mix so uh, i don't think a good product has to only come from one place but it can certainly be an epicenter do we have a sort of whiskey consumption map for india for where it sells more and where it doesn't so ironically and much to the chagrin of the punjabis they are not the highest consumers as per state of whiskey that goes to telangana so there is a strong connotation of drinking dark spirits across the country for sure but it seems to be more brandy in and in the south cognac to be more upended and it's more whiskey led in the north uh no reason that i can think of comes to mind save for the fact that there were more french in the south you know from pondicherry one and kerala also had a colony in fact go and go ahead maybe that area for that reason has a little slight touch of it but i can't explain that widespread a usage having said that telangana is a whiskey state 
right next door. We've got to divide. Telangana drinks a lot more whiskey. Uh, again, may not be in value, but in certainly in volume. And then obviously Punjab, Haryana are big states for consumption as well. And where do our Indian whiskies sort of figure in the global sort of ranking list? Because we now do have multiple distilleries that produce it. And like you said, initially it may have started in the north with distilleries that used molasses. But uh, since then, we've also seen a number of companies get into whiskey distilling and even single malls. But where do they rank in the hierarchy of things? When the English started the distilleries, they were making it properly. So Solon back in the day was proper whiskey. And then blendings happened because obviously, again, what's your local produce that's widely available is molasses and you can work with it. Why not? I think Indians are one of the best at blending whiskey. I've done this test with whiskey master blenders who've come to India and I've given them Indian whiskeys and asked them to guess, is this whiskey or rum? And they've always said whiskey. And I said, see, that's how would we make it. You can't tell the difference. And these are master blenders, 29 years, 30 years of experience. And maybe they're being kind or polite. I don't know. But the, but the point being, Indian whiskeys, if you discount the technicality of the rum because of molasses-based uh, origins, take them away. We still have some fairly good whiskeys. They start as a curiosity. And I think that 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 uh, status quo was breaking, broken originally by Japan and Taiwan subsequently, where they showed to the world all the whiskey doesn't have to come from Scotland. I think in a bigger way, America had done it even earlier with bourbon. But the problem was that bourbon's a very different style of a whiskey. Uh, whereas a scotch is more restrained, a bourbon's very flagrant and, and flamboyant. When you say loud, you mean just in terms of taste, right? Yeah, the, the taste is more, you know, you're using fully charred barrels, new barrels every year, whereas Scotland's using the same barrel for 10 years. In India, with that larger consumption, would have obviously influenced the scene. It's like cricket. You know, what happens in India is what defines the rest of the world. What happens in India and Scotch would also do that. And, and, and yes, we have great whiskeys. We have great talent, you know, local talent that blends really well. Uh, I think what happens is good whiskeys are slightly high priced for the Indian market. And at that price point, the aspiration value of a foreign Scotch whiskey is still higher. So if I'm maintaining at home, sure, if I have connoisseurs, they might love the Indian whiskeys and be very happy that I got a rare bottle. But if I'm spending 25,000 rupees on a bottle of whiskey, even I'm going to hesitate on spending it on the Indian one. I'll be like, let me just get something that, you know, I'll it's safe that I know everybody's going to know what this whiskey is worth. I don't know what the ranking would be. I mean, we've done really well. We've got lo- lots of awards internationally. So I don't think they're, they're, they're technically flawed or even they lack popular appeal. But uh, it is, as I always say, brown skin is the most racist. So we are the first ones to uh, to hold them up, you know, to uh, and, and uh, to, to light and decide that whether we want them or not. So and then that's why Scotch whiskey as a hallmark still has a lot of weight. So, uh, you know, but whiskey, <clears throat> like you said, also occupies levels that go from the smallest bottle and at the same time you have like you said bottles that go for 25,000 a bottle how can the same spirit kind of occupy both ends of the spectrum is there an explanation for that is they're not the same spirit by far so just for an idea let's say I start with 100 ml of a liquid which I'm going to distill and now this distillation is going to yield different kinds of alcohol now a good blender We'll start with this 100, 100 liters, let's say, and maybe end up with 40 liters. So you just discarded 60 liters of your product. 
And remember, in any product that you make, it's not what you put in, it's what you leave out that's the most expensive decision. Because I can put in expensive barley, I'll recover the cost. But if I've left 60% of my product already, that cost is never coming back. That is now incumbent on my 40% to recover costs from. Now, if I'm making a cheaper whiskey, I can leave in an 80% yields. What I'm leaving behind now are not just alcohol, but also aldehydes that will give you a headache, hangover. You're leaving everything behind. You're saying, you know what? I don't want to lose liquid because that's expensive. So when I'm making my product cheaper, one way is to do it by increasing the yield, which means you dilute the quality. A discerned palate will tell you the tactile taste sensory difference. A lesson educated palate will still tell you, oh, I get a headache with this whiskey. In fact, that's one reason why a lot of people upgrade because they say, I wake up better the next morning. Now, having said that, if you have two bottles of a very expensive whiskey, you'll still have a hangover. Okay, The body still only be able to break down that much alcohol per hour scientifically. But there are a lot of products that you're not breaking down, but they stay in the system. When they stay in the system is when they cause all the other problems the headaches and so on. So when you're making an expensive product, you're reducing many things. And then, of course, how you package it is going to be expensive. Expensive crystal decanters are going to add up. Whereas when you're making a cheap product, that label barely stays on with glue. So there are many ways to cut. And then obviously, they might be cutting with neutral spirit and flavorings and essence and whatnot. So if it wasn't the distillation that had brought in chemicals, you added them on top. But, you know, it's still a high. It's still 40% ethanol. That's what the government says. You can't go above 42.4%. So people like, we'll get there somehow. But that's the problem. We should figure out how we got there, which is more important, versus where we got to. In Scotland, you can have a whiskey selling at 56% alcohol, and they want to know how you made it. How did you get there? Because if that process is kosher, they're happy with it. They don't question the final alcohol. Here we are questioning the final alcohol, but not questioning the process. But isn't that then a concern? We're discussing alcohol very casually right now. But, you know, this is the same year that WHO's come out and said, you know, there's really no good amount of alcohol that can be had. And when you have something with questionable processes altogether and you don't know what's going in, doesn't that become a bigger concern then? That Well, I'm not disagreeing with WHO. I think, yes, there might be, a, 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 there might be something to the fact that there's a good amount of alcohol to be had. But there's a case to be made for living well and living joyfully, you know, to for living versus existing or surviving. But in that light, I don't think you can make a case against alcohol. Canada at the moment, if you're not mistaken, is experimenting with legalizing hard drugs. So where do you draw the line? All I'm not preaching morally, but the concern remains that quality of alcohol has to be good. Quality of the products has to be looked at from Obviously, not harming people because it's important that people don't get harmful effects, side effects from drinking or consuming something, but also the sustainability angle. So quality is a big concern for me. So I would always tell people to drink in a civil manner, drink better, drink lesser, uh, taste it more, enjoy the journey rather than just the destination. So then what does that mean for the whiskey market in India? How do you view that given, again, like it occupies all ends of the spectrum. So, you know, one thing that happens is we get painted as people who don't care for quality and we drink cheap whiskey. What we don't talk about are the taxes and duties that are applied on these products. I don't think Indians like to drink cheap whiskey. They just don't have a choice. If you look at the purchase parity of how much the minimum salary in India versus an average bottle of scotch, and then you take that and use the same figures in the US or anywhere else, 
it's just, you know, we're putting 10% of our monthly you know, uh, earnings on a bottle of scotch. Those guys are putting maybe 0.5%. So obviously they'll drink better than us. So we're not trying to drink poorer. We just have to find our sweet spot where we can have a good time and not be, you know, stealing from the child's college funds. And, and that's why there's a market for cheap whiskeys in India. My submission would always be, if you could lower taxes and spend on education and awareness, I think that's the better way to get around in the long run to achieving a balance. I mean, you know, just because they legalized cannabis in, in various countries, everybody's not stoned all the time. Okay, but once you take away that, that stigma of it being an anti-social element, it, the acceptability is much, much wider. We need to stop thinking of alcohol as a taboo. I just believe that you know, we, we cannot govern how people lead their lives, especially their social and private lives. We can advise them, educate them to make more discerning choices like you do with our kids. But that's the best we have. And then we hope for the best. If you know Captain Haddock from the Tintin comics, you know he wouldn't tolerate anything in his whiskey, especially not soda. Whiskey is one of those spirits that seems to have various rules on how it is to be consumed. So, is there a so-called correct way to enjoy a scotch or whiskey? So my two objectives are, don't drink too much, obviously. Mm. Mm. Whatever you're drinking, savour it, drink it mm. slow. Mm. That's objective. Mm. Now, beyond that is purely subjective. For me, personally, anything over 15, 18 years, if it's a real work of art, I do not like to dilute it. I just think that, that nature's done its job. It's become soft enough to be able to hold its own in a glass. And I do not think adding water or ice to those whiskeys helps. In fact, 21, 25, I mean, anything over 18 or 15 even, I normally do not dial down at all. The minute you have something that's trying to speak to you, I would rather let that whiskey hold the room instead of numbing it down with ice or water or soda. But that's a personal choice. If you wish to have a 35-year-old whiskey with soda, please, by all means, enjoy it. But you'll still see me cringing a bit. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.